This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome back. George Affleck in for Mike Smith today, and I hope you're doing well on this uh, rainy, but also a Friday. So that's always nice. So it's time for Baldry's Beat, and Keith Baldry joins me now, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. Chief, hey, hey Keith. Good morning, George. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. So we had a bunch of things happening yesterday. Uh, the budget, there was, I think it was actually literally why we were on, we were talking yesterday, a bunch of announcements related to mm-hmm. homelessness. Tell us a bit about what's going on here. And I, is, is, and we kind of touched on it, but it's, is, it, is it overly optimistic this is going to solve the problem? No? Yes? Well, it's a, it's a significant amount of money. So what we saw yesterday, again, as you and I were on the air, the, um, the, what happens every year is the government brings down a budget. And there's so many things in a budget, you can't get to it all in one day. And so they re-announce things and put a little more detail uh, onto onto the issue uh, in the subsequent week. So yesterday we got a little more detail in the $633 million over three years um, that was going to be spent dealing with trying to combat homelessness. And that's everything from uh, supporting, a big chunk of it is supporting youth in care. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who do make up a, a significant uh, portion of the homeless. What I found interesting yesterday was, again, the latest uh, data data analysis. 23,000 people are uh, have experienced homelessness at some point uh, in in a given year, which is a you know that's a that's a huge number of people um, in one year. That, in one year, yeah, that, that's, that's either chronic homeless. About half of them are or chronically homeless, or whatever. It could be anything, right? Yeah, and it's uh, um, half of them are homeless 100, percent and the other half are, are temporarily. Homeless. There's also going to be money uh, provided for about four million dollars for homeless encampments, which is interesting, uh. given that <laughs> those are not popular mm-hmm. with uh, the public, certainly in the communities in which these things exist. Um, but no sooner had the, the, one of the ministers say we were going to do this than they said, "But this doesn't mean we support them." But I think it's a recognition that this is the reality. Of, mm-hmm. They're of everywhere. They're everywhere. You can't just turn a blind eye and think they don't exist. So I think the $4 million mm-hmm. is designed to probably make them a little more um, more healthy and more safe than what they currently are. But it's, uh, $633 million is not cash. chump change. That's no. significant. Youth and care is very interesting. I mean, when I was in office in Vancouver, we had a report. And, and the foster care system, it was shocking. And this is ten, just eight, ten years ago. Uh, the significant number of people who are homeless who've gone through the foster care system. It is, like, huge. Yeah. Like, more yeah, than 50%, 60% or something. It, it's clearly the, that, that system's broken. Uh, and to start with that focus, because this is a generational problem, how do we, you know, we're not going to solve this overnight, but how can we solve it over the next 10, 20, 30 years? And that might be where we start. Yeah, no, that's a big part part of the problem. And and, pe- and uh, young people who transition from being in care from in foster homes to being no longer in care is a is a huge number of the homelessness. So that's thirty five million dollars over three years for that targeted mm-hmm. audience alone, and that includes um, you know uh, income supplements and rent supplements, and also uh, and, uh, and this has always been an issue when it comes to social assistance. Do you do you forbid people from earning money? Um, and if you, if they earn money, mm-hmm. you take away their social assistance. So that's a disincentive to actually work. And this program, no, you can you can still make 
money, you can get a job, you can have you know full-time or mm-hmm. part-time employment. It doesn't mean you're going to lose your income supplement or your rent supplement. And I think that's a key move. Was there anything tying a social assistance to rate of inflation, given what's going on with right now with cost of everything going up? I mean, the stories today not, are crazy. Yeah, no, not yet. But I wouldn't be surprised if we're if we're going to see that. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't see that in the budget. Mm-hmm. I mean, inflation has suddenly become an issue yeah. for the first time in 30 years. Uh, we've never had an inflation issue. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. you know, I remember the 70s and 80s. Yeah, double you know, digits. If you recall, double digits. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people forget about um, Bill Bennett's, uh, former PC Premier Bill Bennett's famous wage uh, limits, uh, wage controls on public sector mm-hmm. uh, uh, wage increases. They were limited to 14% a year, which, <laughs> you know, which is just mind-boggling when you think about what we've seen in recent years in yeah. terms of wage increases or inflation rates. We just haven't had that. And that's why that inflation rate, just to segue here, is going to have a huge role in the renegotiation of almost 200 public sector contracts, which expired mm. at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. Inflation's never been part of contract talks before because it's been a negligible number. Now it is, and already we're seeing some some tension at the contract negotiating table, the BCGU and the HEU. 5% now, inflation. Is that the starting point for wage increases? If I worked it out the other day, a 5% increase over three years, 5% a year for three years, which is a standard three-year contract for public sector unions, mm-hmm. that would cost the provincial treasury about $10 billion Whoa. over the next three years. That would take up the entire contingency fund, which is massive, in the in the government's fiscal plan, and that leaves no money uh, theoretically for fighting wildfires, for dealing with floods, for dealing with any climate events over the next three years. And this uh, inflation is and you talk about this this issue. It's going to be a bigger and bigger discussion because it's not just oil and gas that are kind of going up. Everything's going up, everything. and so everything that we all spend, whether it's your strata fees, your taxes, your milk, your everything, it's it's uh, it's your cup it's, of coffee's going cup up. Cup of coffee, and uh, it's challenging. But we have some good. I sort of good news in COVID nineteen, and I saw there was a national press conference this morning uh, that Canada's doing pretty good. And yeah, so what we're seeing right now is a, is a surge in COVID nineteen cases uh, around the world, in many places around the world, mm-hmm. notably in China, Hong Kong, South Korea, uh, New Zealand. Uh, places with uh, either low vaccination rates or just, uh, again, just where cases are surging. Also in Europe, parts of Europe mm-hmm. are seeing an uptick. We're seeing a decline in Canada, and we're seeing a significant decline in, in B.C. Why? But what we're seeing is also the BA2 variant, which is a sublineage variant of Omicron, is displacing Omicron as the dominant variant. Hmm. And it's proving to be more transmissible, more infectious. But the good thing is it's not leading to more serious illness, to more hospitalizations. So I just, last night I got the numbers of, of uh, BA2 um, just before six last night mm-hmm. and put them on the air. They are now, they are, BA2, I wouldn't say it's exploding in number, but it's it's increasing significantly and it's displacing Omicron wow. uh, on, a, on a daily basis. It goes up by about 20 a day just in BC alone. But it doesn't result in more hospitalization. And that was the message from Dr. Teresa Tam today, is we are seeing this variant in more and more and more uh, around the world mm-hmm. and in Canada, but it's not leading to severe illness. And that's good because we have such high vaccination rates. Mm-hmm. And where we're in good position, unlike some other countries, particularly in BC, and this doesn't speak for other provinces, BC took the approach of age-based vaccination rollout. If the older you are, the quicker you had access to vaccines. And what we're seeing in other jurisdictions around the world that did not employ that approach, people over the age of 70 are getting quite sick 
and quite and and dying in in many places hmm. because even if they've necessarily been vaccinated because their 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 um, immunity is waning. So what we're going to see uh, again, we're going to see probably earlier uh, than expected a fourth dose offered to people age seventy and older yeah. to boost their immunity. Which even though they may have had three doses, it will start to wane. And then we're seeing this around the world where those people are vulnerable if they haven't been boosted. And we're going to have that fourth dose, I think, probably sometime this summer. And you look at, you know, the third dose alone, just on how, you know, is, we did great for the first and second doses in Canada and in BC, but the third dose has been a challenge. It is. Uh, and so if you're lower on the first and second in other, you know, other areas in the U.S. or wherever, then that third dose, you know, consequently would be worse as well. So it's like, you know, this wake-up call doesn't seem to be happening. Well, it, it, it's essentially our third dose. People over 70 are getting their third doses in, mm-hmm. in BC. They're the most vulnerable mm-hmm. age group. Um, where you're not seeing a take up a third of the third hmm. booster dose is younger people who are just say, I don't need it. You know, yeah. what, what's the point? I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling any sick. I don't know anybody who's sick. Uh, with this, but you mm-hmm. do need that third dose, and people are encouraged to get. I mean, we are still uh, the, like ninety percent of the vaccines that occur every day in BC right now are third doses for people. Uh, we've, we've basically hit a wall on first dose for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a, a piece last night on the five to eleven year olds, for example. We've just hit a wall in vaccinating kids. Um, the, the vaccines that are going to the kids right now are their second doses. Yep. Uh, it's not the first dose. And in fact, in, in the breakdown regionally is quite striking. You know, overall, it's 56% of kids are vaccinated with at least one dose. But only 36% of kids in the north, only 44% of kids in the interior. You know, that compares to 71% of kids wow. in Vancouver Coastal. So everybody lives in Metro, most of Metro, are vaccinating their kids age 5 to 11. Prince George, Prince Rupert, the Peace River. Peace River is basically a no-go no zone when it comes to vaccines. They're just not administering vaccines mm-hmm. to their kids. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. George Affleck in for Mike Smith and Keith Baldry. Baldry's beat. He's my guest right now. We're taking your calls at 604-280-9898, 604-280-9898. Real quick though, Keith, just on the gas prices and, and the fact they're soaring, the provinces being here in BC was, have been apprehensive about changing the taxes and given the oil prices and everything going up and down like crazy, maybe that was a smart move, um, but they are considering something, I understand. Yeah, my understanding is it's more likely to be uh, compensation or, or relief in the form of an ICBC rebate check uh, rather than tinkering with the taxes uh, at the pump, which are sort of a, mm-hmm. a, a 
very complex labyrinth type of arrangement. There's all okay. different taxes there. But expect an announcement from uh, the government sometime next week, likely. Uh, ICBC, $1.9 billion surplus <laughs> yeah. this year. Uh, uh, CEO Mr. Jimenez would like to keep that as part of the reserve, but I think some of that's coming back to the, to the policyholders. Well, we'll wait and see about that. All right, we'll take your calls here. Greg from North Van, go ahead. Yeah, hi. So when, we te- when we're testing for COVID, you got all these new variants now. Um, when you test, it comes up positive or negative. So how can you tell the difference between the, uh, you know, all these new variants Mm-hmm. And the old variants, like how are you guys, te- how, how are you telling the difference? Yeah, yeah that's good. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, yeah. So the Center for Disease Control does uh, what's called genome sequencing testing, um, which they they take the the, the positives they get. And we're not talking about rapid tests that you mm-hmm. do at home or anything. Like that. These are the tests that are done by public health. They take those back into the lab and they analyze them. And it's genome sequencing is is the name of of, of the testing program of analysis, and it, and that will, that tells them what type of variant it is. It, for a long time, it was Delta variant. Then it was Omicron. Now, increasingly, it's the BA2. It doesn't necessarily mean a lot for you, although there was a significant difference between Delta and Omicron in terms of severe illness. Delta was far more serious than Omicron. Omicron's more infectious, but it doesn't lead to as much serious illness as Delta did. And BA2 right now, fingers crossed, is more infectious than Omicron. It's a, it's a sub-lineage of Omicron. It's still, it's a form of Omicron, but it's not leading to more severe illness and hospitalizations. But that's done by public health labs, so, not by individuals. So, Keith, the data that we get when we see percentages, that's based on, obviously, the people who do get tested in the labs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then do they extrapolate that into roughly what they think the overall numbers are, if whether you go get the test yeah. or not? Yeah. yeah, I mean, early on in the pandemic, there was a serology test uh, um, a study done in a number of jurisdictions that pointed out uh, that concluded that just because you find, let's say, you find three thousand positive tests mm-hmm. on one given, that doesn't mean that's that's a finite number. It doesn't mean that's that's it. Only three thousand people. It just means you know that's what the number of people who were tested. It means also there's likely other people mm-hmm. out there who also have it. And the estimate has always been the number of people who have the virus is about seven times the number of tests positives that come back. Right. All right, lots of calls here. Rob from Chilliwack, go ahead. Yeah, hi, good morning. Uh, say, Keith, I have a question for you. Maybe you'd know more about it than I would. But So I phoned last week about my mom. She's in a long-term care home in Abbotsford, uh, the Tabor home. So not so now I have to go, when I go see her, uh, I have to show my proof of vaccination, fine. But also now, uh, I have to if I go see her, say, five days, Monday to Friday every day, I have to be rapid tested for three out of those five, yet a healthcare worker there only has to be tested if their shift started today and they were four on, four off. They only have to be tested once out of their out of their work week. Hmm. Is it Fraser Health making the the rule, or is it the actual Tabor Home, like the private entity? I'm just curious. Yeah, thanks, Rob. It you know, Rob that, that, that's a very good call. It, again, we seem to be getting anecdotally. Hmm. Different rules at different uh, care homes, uh, and they seem to be interpreting them differently. So as of as of uh, tomorrow, 
Uh, for example, uh, you can have any number of visitors to a care home. It's no longer just the, the essential visitor and the social visitor. Uh, it's it's going to be wide open. But it'll be interesting to see how care homes interpret that, whether they put a limit themselves on the number of visitors mm-hmm. that it can come in. And I know for just personal exa- personal experience, yeah, the, n- the number of rapid tests a, a person has to uh, be administered. The first time I've heard three out of five days, some care homes are insisting every day, if you want to visit, mm-hmm. you have to be tested every day. So this is an ongoing challenge, and Dr. Henry's talked about this. Trying to get a uniform policy in place for long-term <laughs> care homes has been really challenging because it's not the same thing for every care home. All right, Kevin from Vancouver, go ahead. Yeah, quick question. If people who've had two doses already and not had the third booster, and then this fourth one comes out, can they skip the booster and go right to the fourth one, or do they have to go through the sequence? Yeah, is it cumulative? Uh, is that yeah, the, is so first of all, um, you're considered to be fully vaccinated if you have two doses. Uh, the third mm-hmm. dose is, doesn't give you, you know, a vaccination status that's different than someone with two doses. The fourth dose is yet to be worked out. Uh, I've talked to Dr. Henry about this. It's, it's, you know, it's going to be really at first targeted at people age 70 and older, most of whom have already had a third third uh, dose. But I, my understanding, just again, uh, would just make sense. It really wouldn't matter if you had a third dose or not. If you're going to offer it a fourth dose, it's just that's your third dose if you haven't had your third right. dose. It's, it's going to work the same way. All right, real quick, uh, Kevin from Vancouver, got 10 seconds. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, sorry, Al from Coquitlam. Oh, hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Listen, at the risk of sounding extremely unpopular, we know what you said about the um, the union in terms of inflation and matching their their wage with that. I, I just don't understand, like, you know, the world is a different place than it was two years ago. And, you know, to have this process take place, which they do every couple of years when they're renegotiating, uh, I, I, yeah. it boggles my mind. There's so gotta, many small businesses that have suffered. Got to go out. But, yeah, the disinflation thing is going to kick yeah, off. I'd, I'd be surprised if the contract comes back at a 5% settlement. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, the, the, the ante's up. It's, yeah. It was 2% a year last time. It's not going to be 2% a year this time.